Welcome to Covenant Connection with Pastor Gerald Ravis. We trust that this message will restore, refresh and revive your spirit man. Here is Pastor Gerald speaking. The fourth piece of armor Paul tells us to take up is the shield of faith. And this shield allows us to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. The other translations say it allows us to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now the shield that a Roman soldier carried into battle was about four and a half feet square. It was a huge shield that would even cover part of the body of the soldier fighting beside the shield holder. Now, the, the soldiers lined up side by side in close formation with their shields together. And all of them were covered as they advanced. Now, what is the shield of faith that is able to protect you from anything that Satan could ever fire at you? It's acting on the truth that you say you believe. So what you do, you take up the shield of faith when you take the truth that you confess on Sunday and leave it out on Monday. Listen, one of the best examples of using the shield of faith is Joshua chapter number 6. Joshua is at the battle of Jericho. Now God told Joshua to have the Israelites march around the city once a day for six days and then march around seven times on the seventh day. Now that seemed like a foolish thing to do but you know what it 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 didn't make any military sense and it certainly was an accepted strategy for warfare but God commanded Joshua to do it and he promised to fight Israel's battle. So no matter how it looked to anyone else, Joshua took up the shield of faith and obeyed God and God delivered Jericho into Joshua's camp. Hallelujah. I am also reminded of the story of Naaman, the Syrian commander who was covered with leprosy. 2 Kings chapter 5. Well, the story goes, Elisha told Naaman, to go and dip seven times in the Jordan River so that he could be cleansed. Naaman got insulted because the Jordan was dirty, muddy. He didn't want to be embarrassed in front of his servants by having to dip in the Jordan. But his servants convinced him to do it. And Naaman did what God's prophet told him to do. He was healed because he chose to believe God. Now, obeying God can sometimes seem foolish. Many times difficult and embarrassing. But God wants us to trust him even when it doesn't make sense to trust him. And it is in moments like these that we need to pick up our shield of faith and obey God. Child of God, I do not know what it is this morning that God has been speaking to you, 
but I want you to wield your weapon of warfare, the shield of faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and things not seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. When I think about the moments in my life where I have seen incredible breakthroughs, these are moments that I wielded the shield of faith, where I walked totally and absolutely in faith to believe what God has put in my spirit. Ephesians 6, 17a, the helmet of salvation. Now, this piece of the armor is what gives you authority over the enemy. The helmet protects the head, which is the control center of the body. So the helmet of salvation covers a vital part and the purpose of a soldier's helmet was to absorb blows without causing damage to the head. In essence, it was, it was a, the, the, the blow absorber. It, was, it absorbs the shock of blows to the head. Paul's reference to the helmet may imply our protection in a current spiritual battle the way our salvation protects us from Satan's claims on our lives. So Paul may also be uh, thinking here, follow me closely, the ultimate deliverance that salvation will bring, which is our hope for the future when our salvation is consummated. He uses the term helmet in this sense in First Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 8 but in the context of spiritual warfare we are talking about the battles that you and i face on a daily basis with the helmet of salvation protecting us means that we have the authority we need to get on top of our circumstances instead of letting our circumstances bury us so when you pick up the helmet of salvation and put it on, you are saying to the devil that because of your salvation, God has given you victory over your circumstances. The helmet is what helps you fight from a position of victory. Most times we have let our circumstances rule us. And when circumstances rule us, we can't be in proper relation to God. So we need to put on our helmets so that whenever Satan is trying to deliver a blow to our heads, he definitely knows where to strike. But the helmet of our salvation can absorb those blows. Remember, the helmet allows you to say to Satan when he hits you with the best shot, you tell him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The helmet also reminds you that God is able to keep you from stumbling. Jude 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or sleeping or falling and to present you unblemished, blameless and faultless, before the presence of his glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight. So the helmet's visor allows you to see Jesus and focus on him.
and you can't get very far in spiritual warfare without your helmet. The last piece of the armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17b. Now the sword mentioned here is not the soldier's long sword. It is, it is This is a short dagger-like weapon. It's about 10 inches long. This sword had a needle-like point and it was sharp on both sides. It was used for close-up fighting and could do some serious damage. It could cut an opponent coming and going. And that's the reason why scripture says it is the word of God which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. What's interesting is that the term Paul uses for word here is not referring to the Bible as the written book of truth the way we normally think of the word of god no this is not the bible sitting on your shelf instead it is the rema the utterance of god the word as it is spoken so paul is talking about the use of the word not just its existence a lot of us go to church on sunday with our bibles under our arms but we don't always know how to wield it like a sword to slice the devil in spiritual battle. And the best example of wielding the word was the temptation of Jesus. Satan attacked Jesus, but Jesus responded. He says, it is written. And then he defeated Satan with the word. Jesus didn't even argue or dialogue with the devil. Jesus simply hit him with the word and the battle was over. Listen to me, child of God. The enemy loves to hear you and me talk to him and argue with him because he knows our word doesn't have any authority from God to cut him in half. So if we don't know the word of God well enough to use it against the devil, no wonder we get defeated. So, and that means... We have no authority. So the authority that we have is in the word of God. And that's the armor of God, the weapons of your authority. The question is, is your armor in good shape? Are your belt, breastplate, the gospel shoes laid out when you go out are you ready to put them on? Are your shield, helmet, sword, close by, ready to be grabbed when needed? If so, then you're ready for the battle. But if you can't remember all the individual pieces of your spiritual armor, then just remember Christ, for you have an intimate relationship with him. You also have the armor. Praise the name of Jesus. Now something important that Paul writes in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. I want to show you something here. The weapons of your warfare won't do you a lot of good if you don't know how to put them into action. We have talked about the 
six pieces of the armor for your spiritual warfare. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop writing there. In verse 18, he gives us the secret to using this great authority that God has made available. In other words, we might say that after describing the Christian's battle dress, Paul in essence tells us how to get dressed and how to access the authority that we possess. Listen to what he says in verse 18. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. In other words, Paul is saying prayer is what gains you access to the authority you need for victorious warfare. Prayer also is the way that you get dressed for warfare. That is what Paul is trying to tell us. He says the significance of prayer to spiritual warfare is evident in the very first word of Ephesians 6, 18, he says, with all prayer. So prayer is the connecting word. Paul is saying that prayer is vitally connected to his discussion of spiritual warfare and the believer's armor that has just preceded this verse. Prayer is the atmosphere in which you are to fight, child of God. It is the way to stay in vital daily contact with your commander. In other words, the way you activate the authority and use the armor described in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 is by prayer. And remember three times in this section, as a matter of fact, in verse 11, verse 13, and verse 14, Paul tells us to stand firm, which means to hold the territory Jesus Christ has won for us and not let the devil take any territory back. The problem is that the devil has already taken a lot of territory from many of us believers. He has taken back the territory of peace from some of us. And from others, he has taken back the territory of our homes, our families, our businesses, the authoritative position that God has given us. Satan is always looking to take back territory that Christ has won. So if we are going to stand firm, we must know how to put our armor on and how to use it. And that authority is activated through prayer. As I bring this to a close, the kind of prayer that Paul has in mind here is intense, fervent knowledgeable prayer that enables you to reach into heaven and make withdrawals from your spiritual account. Our job in the Christian life is not to add to what Christ has already done. In fact, he has made all the deposits necessary for every spiritual need we will ever have. When God says we need to pray, he is inviting us to draw on the accomplishments of Christ. Hallelujah. Paul essentially says, in light of the blessings God has already blessed you with, in light of his provision for your armor, go ahead and claim your authority through prayer. To put it another way, he says, without prayer, you don't get to use the things God has granted you. Some of us spend hours a day talking with other people and just a few minutes talking with God. 
There is nothing wrong with talking to people. But people are not the source of our spiritual authority. It is through prayer that we access our great God. And knowing the God that we are praying to also involves the understanding that prayer is not some magical formula by which we make God appear to our bidding. No, God is not a, a magician. Some people have the idea that prayer is simply persuading God to do what we want him to do. No, prayer is not getting God to conform to us. Prayer is conforming ourselves to God's rightful rule overall. To Covenant Connection with Pastor Gerald Ralvis. Write to us and let us know how this message has impacted your life. You can email us Bethel Covenant Fellowship at gmail.com or visit our Facebook Bethel Covenant Connection and leave us your testimony. We wish you God's best on this journey of faith. God bless you.